Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 8 and verse 12. John chapter 8 and verse 12. The only verse we look at today, uh, we'll look at this whole paragraph, Lord willing, next Sunday. But today I want us to think just about this whole concept that Jesus doesn't present for the first time here. As a matter of fact, it's been mentioned in chapter 1 by John, and then Jesus in chapter 3, I believe it is, uh, this idea of light. I'm the light of the world. This concept of, of understanding his role as light. In verse 12, it simply says this. Remember, we're, at, we're still at the temple. We're still at the Feast of the Tabernacles, celebrating the, the uh, coming out of Egypt of the uh, Israelites, the Exodus, in the wilderness, with the tabernacle, the protection for God, by God. And Jesus again spoke to them, saying this, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if you remember John in the very first opening paragraph of this uh, gospel that he wrote, said in verse 4, in him was the life, and the life was the light of men. And then Jesus in chapter 3, verse 19, in, in talking to the people, said, and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and, the men, and men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. He makes a contrast there between darkness and light here in the tabernacle, thinking somewhat, no doubt, about the pillar of fire that went before the children of Israel out in the wilderness at night. There, there was the pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day that went toward the people, before the people, and they followed that. God used the cloud to give them guidance. The, the cloud of the day and the pillar of fire at night guided them, led them, directed them where they needed to go. It also represented his presence. When they saw that cloud or when they saw that fire, they said, we know that our God is with us. We know that our God is near. We know that our God is watching over us. And so they followed, knew his protection, knew his presence, and rejoiced in that. He's here at the Feast of the Tabernacles. At the Feast of the Tabernacles, every day at the end of the day, when the, uh, they would come, much like a, another ceremony they'd done with the water out of the pool of Siloam, when they would take up the water and go and pour it out, representing the water that, Jesus, that, that God provided in the wilderness. And Jesus said, I am, I am I'm the water of life. If you drink me, you'll never thirst and all that. Now he comes to this. And, and every day at the end of the day, when it became dark, they would light two great torches in the courtyard of the temple so that the people could see. And it represented that pillar of fire that went before them at night. And Jesus comes along and said, well, you know, that gives you light in this world, but I want you to understand that I am the true light of the world. I am the true light of the world. This is second great I am statement. His first one was, I am the bread of life. I am Yahweh. I am, ego I me. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And Jesus said, I want you to understand, that is a significant thing to see. But he goes on to say that if you follow me, in other words, if you're my disciple, if, if you trust in me, if you believe in me, you'll not walk in darkness. 
but you'll walk in light. Indeed, you'll have the light of life. If you follow me, I will light your path. If you follow me, I will direct you into all truth. I will light your path into the truth. If you follow me, you'll not walk in darkness. We live in a dark world. And, and the main reason we live in a dark world is because they have rejected the light. That's what Jesus said. The, the light came into the world, and the world rejected it because their deeds were evil. They wanted to follow their own will. They wanted to follow their own purpose. World, The world, apart from Christ, wants to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it, for their convenience, for their happiness, for their pleasure, whatever it might be. And when Christ is absent, there is darkness. You need to understand that. I want to show you something. This is, this is uh, you, you can look at this as geopolitical, I guess, or you could look at it, I look at it as spiritual. This is a satellite image. If you'll direct yourself to the screen over here or, or over here, that's a satellite image looking down on the peninsula of Korea at night. And you'll notice the, there's a, a very clear line of demarcation drawn in the satellite image there. And, and this you have South Korea, and, and here you have North Korea. Do you notice, this is at night, do you notice anything significantly different about the two? Well, there's a lot of light. This is, this is uh, Seoul right down here and other cities in South Korea. And in North Korea, there is no light. Now, you can look at that and say, well, that's a geopolitical statement that, you know, this is, this is communist North Korea, this is uh, uh, South Korea that is more democratic, more... Uh, more uh, uh, free enterprise, if you will. And so naturally they would prosper better than the ones that everything goes for the government and everything goes for the, for the leaders and all up in North Korea. But I think it goes far deeper than that. Do you realize that Korea, South Korea, is the nation that has seen the greatest spiritual awakening in the 20th and 21st century? There, there are more believers, more people coming to faith in Christ in South Korea per capita than any other country, including the United States, in all the world. They have been inundated by the grace of God. They have been inundated by the Spirit of God moving in their lives. And, and, and so you see here, I think, a very symbolic thing. You see light in that country. North Korea, on the other hand, is a country that has opposed Christ vehemently. Has, has persecuted anyone who began to have faith in Christ, began to show faith in Christ, imprisoned them, murdered them, killed them. They have, they have totally tried to obliterate Christianity. As a matter of fact, until about four or five years ago, it was believed by most mission organizations that there was not a single Christian in all of North Korea. Can you imagine that? Now, in the last few years, as some people have kind of gone in under the, under the radar, They've discovered that there are, there are pockets of believers underground, hidden, not letting, their, not letting it be known by the government because of the persecution that would come. But there are Christians in North Korea, and there's, a, there's an underlying movement of God in that, in that country, but it certainly doesn't show itself in light. It's, it's, it's hidden because of fear of persecution, because they know what would be coming. But in South Korea, there's an openness. The largest church in the world is in South Korea. South Korea now does what a few years ago only the Western world did, you know, especially the United States and for a while Great Britain. We sent missionaries to other parts of the world. South Korea is now sending missionaries to every part of the world, including the United States of America. They're sending missionaries here. There's light 
when Christ is moving. There is light when Christ is acknowledged as king. I just want you to see that. I, I, think, there's, I think there's a great spiritual illustration in that little satellite image to show that where Christ rules, there is light, and where Christ is, is suppressed or is fought against, there is darkness. Happens anywhere you go. Happens in Korea. Happens in the United States. We live in a day where the darkness is seeking to overcome the light. Now, Jesus makes it clear that ultimately, eschatologically, the light, uh, the darkness will not be able to comprehend or overcome or destroy the light. We know, as, as someone has said, we've read the book of Revelation, we know what happens, we know how it's going to turn out, we know who wins, but in our day, there's a darkness, there's a pall over our nation because we have chosen to say, we don't want to know what the light says, we want to know what we want, and we want to enjoy what we want. We live in a day where, as I said in my prayer earlier, in 40 years, the last 40 years, 55 million babies have been murdered pre-birth. Their lives have been taken pre-birth. Now, we were told that was a privacy issue. We were told that was a choice issue. We were told that was a social issue. We were told it was a political issue. We were told it's a women's issue. And now we're told it's a health issue and, and everything else. I want to tell you it's none of those things. It's a God issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue when, when life is, is snuffed out. Now, I know that many people say, well, it's not really life. There, there's, there's no, it's not a human life. It's, it's growing. There's some kind of life there, but it's, it's not a real human being. I'll never forget sitting in a, in a conference room at a, at a hotel resort in Orlando, Florida, back in 2007, I guess it was, and sitting in that room with someone, 10 other pastors and their wives, and, and a, a, a man that has, was running for president of the United States in 2008, ran again in 2012. You've probably heard his name but I won't have to say it, but he was running for president. And he had been notably as governor of a northeastern liberal state, notably as pro-choice, which is really pro-abortion, pro-death. He had been notably that. He had spoken of that. And I remember one of the pastors asked the question before I could, you say you're pro-life now. How did you come to that? And, and, and he said, well, that's a very interesting question. I'm, I'm glad you asked that. He said, well, you know, I was pro-choice. I'd been told, like everybody else, that that was just a blob of tissue, that that was just something that was a, a part of the, the woman's body that was just not really life yet, and so it was just kind of uh, gelling there and getting ready. And when it was born, then it became life, and I believed that. And then one day I was, str I was faced with the issue of embryonic cell, uh, embryonic cell research. And I was told that we needed to be able to fertilize eggs in order to have these embryos so that we can get stem cells out of them and hopefully bring a life. And I called in the biggest embryologist that I could find, and I said, tell me, is that life, in the, is that a human life that we're fertilizing? And all of them said, no, 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 that's not a human life. So well, what is it? Well, it's, it's, it's an embryo, it's a fetus. We don't even call it a child, although... We got a couple of pregnant women out here in the audience this morning, and, and I, I wonder how many people you've told, oh, I'm having a fetus. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a baby. I'm having a child. But, but these, these embryologists, these men from John Hopkins and Harvard and, and, and some of the biggest medical areas of the world told uh, uh, 
Governor Romney that, that well, we, uh, we, 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 it, there's, there's something there, but it's not a human life. He said, well, let me ask you this. Is it living? He said, well, you know, it's living in the sense that there are cells that are dividing and things are happening. He said, he said well, is it, 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 so it's, it's a human life in there. No, 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 it's not human. And he asked me, I love this question, well, is it a dog? Well, maybe it's a cat or a fish or, or something. Well, no, no, it's not that. It's, it's a, it, let's, let's just call it a potential human being. And he said, you know, I, in talking to these guys, trying to convince me, he vetoed the embryonic cell research uh, bill, by the way, because he said he came to realize that what was taking place in that womb was not just potential life. It was not just a glob of tissue. It was life. It was a God issue. It's a spiritual issue. It was a light and darkness issue that was taking place there. It was not that, now I believe in freedom of choice. Don't get me wrong. I believe a woman has a choice. And I believe there are a lot of choices that you can make. You can, you can make a choice who you marry. You can make a choice whether you do things that bring about a pregnancy. You can even make choices to prevent that from happening. But once a life has been conceived, I don't think there's any way you can say it except to say that is a baby in process, and if you, take the, uh, you end that life, if you take that life. You say, well, it's just not convenient. It's not a convenient time in my life. I, I, maybe I need to wait a while. Well, that, that's... Good. I, I, I've got a feeling some of you out here have got some toddlers running around. All of a sudden, they're not real convenient. Some of you got teenagers. And I imagine they're really not very convenient most of the time. I've been through all of that. I know. But I don't think any one of you are thinking, well, you know, I, maybe we just need to wipe this one out. You may be thinking about that your teenagers. Don't do it. Because you know why? You would go to jail. Or worse. The point I want to make here is it's not a matter of, even some of you that I've talked with who've gone to and studied embryology and stuff like that said that's what convinced you that this was a life issue, not a convenience issue. But let me tell you something. Our culture is walking in the darkness. Our culture said we don't want to know what the light is. You see, if you read Scripture, I had, I had Ricky read that passage out of Psalm 139 where it says, in, in my, you wove me, you, you created me, you were, God, you were weaving me in my mother's womb. He was creating in the mother's womb. Oh, yeah, there was the biological process that brought about the pregnancy, but, but it says God is, God is forming, God is working, God is shaping that life that lives within the mother. Not a matter of whether you want it conveniently or whether it might be a burden to you or whether it might be a a hindrance to what you want to do educationally or vocationally or whatever. And, and, you know, it's not just the woman that's culpable in this. I, I know the father can sometimes encourage or pay for or, or, or push for. I know parents can do that with younger women who find themselves in that position. And, and there's a lot of culpability. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to go around. 
not just a women's issue, it's a human issue. It's a God issue. Jesus says, here's the key. If you walk in the light, I am the light. I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't walk in the darkness. If you follow me, trust me, I will teach you, I will infill you with my word, and you will not walk in the darkness, you will walk in the light. What in the world does that mean? It, it means that, that He will be present with you if you follow Him. He will guide you if you follow Him. You say, well, wait a minute, Bill, there are a lot of Christian groups that say abortion's fine. There are people who say they are Christian groups who say abortion's fine. There's a lot of people who say they're Christian groups who say a lot of things are fine that the Word of God says is not fine. That doesn't mean it's light. doesn't mean it's truth. doesn't mean it's right. You see, it's real easy to say, but you know, we live in a sophisticated, modern world. We live in a world where we just want to say, you know, yeah, I want to, I want to profess Jesus so that when I die, I will be with him in heaven. I, want to, I, don't, I certainly don't want to go to hell. So I'll just, yeah, we believe, we believe. But Jesus says it's more than just believing and saying, now when I get to the end of the road, that's when it'll kick in. Jesus is saying, listen, you follow me. I want to direct you in the light. I want to show you the light. I want to give you light. I want to give you vision. I want to give you an understanding of what truth is. And if you're following me, you will walk in the light and not in the darkness. You know, I, I look around. I can hit on a thousand other issues that we even as a church have been duped about and following darkness in. Because the culture is dark. And the culture is demanding. And, and the culture is saying, no, 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 that's, that's antiquated. Do you realize that pre-1973, Roe v. Wade, which by the way, I saw a survey this week, that people under, under I think it's 28, only about 30% know what Roe v. Wade is, what it did. It legalized abortion on demand at all phases, basically, all nine months. But those younger, they've heard of Roe v. Wade, maybe, but they don't know what it is, what it's all about, what it says. But pre-Roe v. Wade, do you know that the Southern Baptist Convention even took a stand that was nominally pro-choice? And evangelicals were saying, well, you know, it, it's just, if, you, if a baby's not wanted, whatever, you know, it needs to be not brought into the world. Roe v. Wade kind of became a line of demarcation on January the 22nd, 1973, where we were awakened to the fact that this is, this is troubling. See, before that, you know what, it was a Roman Catholic issue. The Catholics were pro-life. The Catholics were, you know, they took strong stands against it, but but Baptists and Methodists and, and, and Presbyterians and others, they said, well, that's just, a, that's just a woman's issue. It's not a, not a spiritual issue. Verse 12, as far as I can see, says to you and me, 
There is no such thing as an issue in this world that does not have spiritual ramifications. Everything does. Decisions you make today and tomorrow will either be made saying, what would the light lead me to do? What would God's Word instruct me to do? How would it direct me? Or we made with, what is my greatest pleasure? What is my greatest desire? What do I want most out of this for me? The question is, walking in light and walking in darkness, are you walking in the truth or are you walking by lies? That's the question. And, and I'm directing this not at you. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ. You're not a Christian. I don't, I don't expect you to to be able to say, oh, well, I'm going to walk in the light. If you don't know Christ, you can't walk in the light. But I'm telling you, there are a lot of Christians who make choices that are choices of darkness rather than light. And that's troubling. It's troubling. They look at the world and they say, well, the, the, the world is, this is just our modern day world. This is the way things are. So I've got to live in the world. I've got to do that. No, we as Christians are called to be different. I'm sorry. We're called to walk different. We're, we're, called to, we're called to follow a different calling. We're called to, 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 to follow Christ and be obedient to Christ and be obedient to His Word. And, and sadly, there are a lot of Christians sitting around saying, well, you know, I probably ought to pick the Bible up and read it again sometime. They don't know what the Word says about these issues. Can't walk in the light just by saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. You're not letting His light shine in your life every day single day. In Him was the life. And the life was the light of men. In Him was the life, and the life was the light of men. And, and, and Jesus said again, He said, you know, but the, the problem is, this is the, this is the point of judgment. The light has come into the world. I have come into the world, He says. The light has come and has shown and has spoken but men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Don't, don't put it back up, but that picture I showed you earlier. Their deeds were evil. And when deeds are evil, they want to suppress the light. You see, God's word is a light. David said, your word is a light, and a lamp and a light under my path. So it's a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. Your word shows me where to walk, how to walk. Your word is a light. The word as a light doesn't just show you the path, but the word as a light shines at you also and shows you where your sin is, where your disobedience is, where your greatest needs are, where your greatest deficiencies are as a disciple of Christ. I mean, it's, it's, it's there. The Word is a light. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How shall a young man or a young woman or an old man or old woman keep their way pure? By keeping it according to your Word, David says. If you don't know the Word, it can't be a light in your life. If you're not in the Word... If you're not saying, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, open my eyes to understand your word, it, it can't be a light in your life. I, I mentioned, I think last week, David's prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my every anxious thought. 
That ought to be our prayer. That's saying, Lord, take your searchlight, your word, and shine it into my heart and, and show me my sins. Show me my needs. Show me where I'm not walking in the light. I, I pray for our nation that we would be enlightened, not in the enlightenment view, but that we would be enlightened by His Word. I pray for, I pray for a spiritual awakening to come across this land like it did and it has in Korea, that, that people's hearts would be turned to the light. And I pray that it start in my life, and I pray that it start in our church. I pray it start in the churches across this land. It, it's not going to start typically outside the church. It's going to start in the church. And the people who say, I believe, say, I'm going to do more than believe. I'm going to follow. And they say, I'm going to do more than just have an intellectual faith. I'm going to have a faith that changes my life and changes my heart and, and, and makes me walk in the light as he is in the light. John loves that light imagery all the way through this gospel, even through his uh, first epistle. He loves talking about the light of Christ. Question I ask, walking in the light or in darkness? I've tried to make an application to the whole pro-life issue today, the whole pro-death issue that permeates our country. You know, I, I made light of, you, know, you don't try to do away with your toddler or your teenager, but you realize there are ethicist, ethics teachers in some of our colleges, such as Princeton, Peter Singer, who has really proposed that we ought not consider a baby to be alive, a, a live human, until they're all four, five, six months old. And, and you ought to be able to have a post-birth abortion if you so desire, if, if you decide, this is just more than I can handle. I mean, I don't know any first-time parents in those first six months don't come to some kind of thing. I don't know if I can do this. That came with me on our third one, Will. He's 35 years old. Got up in the middle of the night to go get him, to bring him to his mother for his nighttime feeding. And I got about halfway across the room, and I turned around to her. I think he was two months old. And I looked at Red and I said, I am too old for this. <laughs> but, you know, it didn't even cross my mind to say, you know, we ought to just not declare him a human until he's six or seven months old. <laughs> didn't even cross my mind. Good thing for Will, yeah, that's right. He'll be 27 Monday. But the point is, the point is, we have to take this thing seriously as believers. We have sat back on the back and said, well, just let others deal with this. We have to take this seriously. This is a matter of light and darkness. It's not a matter of Democrat or Republican. It's not a matter of conservative or liberal. It's a matter of Christian or non-believer. It's a matter of light or darkness. It's a matter of are we going to stand up and say, we must stand up for what God says is truth, or are we going to say, oh, well, it's just the way we are. The Supreme Court, after all, ruled on it. Aren't they the supreme wisdom of our nation? You believe that? I got some, I got some oceanfront property in Paducah, I want to sell you. 
don't even know where Paducah is, but no, it's not on the ocean. See what I'm saying? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will walk not in darkness, but in light. Meaning that if you're walking in darkness, you're probably not really following him. Bottom line. If you follow me, you'll walk in the light. You'll be in the light even as he is in the light. You'll see things that the world doesn't see. You will understand things that the politicians never understand. Because God, God Almighty, is your pillar of light. He is directing you. May we come as a nation to repentance our callousness about life. Later I'll talk about the other end of it because I'm getting to that age now where I may be expendable to post-post-post-birth abortion. I don't know. Walk in the light. Follow Christ. If any man would have life, let him come after me and take up his cross and follow me. Follow. Obey, trust. Let's pray. Father, it is so easy to just want to blend in with the world that is captivated by darkness. Father, we've all been in darkness at one point or another before we came to Christ. Just living for ourselves and not for you. But Lord, if we profess you, that changes everything. And I pray, Father, that you would lead us in the light as a church, and as a people. Lord, beginning today with a new view of life and the sanctity of that life, because you create it. It's a spiritual matter. It's a God issue. Help us see that. Help us know that. Father, we live right now with a government that is pro-death. And almost on everything else, whether it be marriage or life or anything else that your word is so clear about, our government is going against it. They're walking in darkness. Lord God, don't let your church follow in darkness. Use us, Lord, as Grace Baptists, as Southern Baptists, as broader family of Baptists, as the body of Christians in this nation. Help us, Lord, be light in the midst of darkness. Help us know your truth and abide in it. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.